Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Oh, Trojan fans, welcome to the Parasol Podcast on a Monday. Happy Labor Day weekend, everybody, and I hope you guys enjoyed week one of college football. It was a lot of fun in the Pac-12, the entire conference of champions getting a win. Of course, that includes USC, uh, 2-0 on the season now after taking down Nevada, 66-14. to So we're going to talk about the coach. Talk about that with the coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com, for all of his content. And if you have any questions or comments for the show, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or send us a text or leave us a voicemail, 424-254-9141. Unfortunately, we had a really long, almost three-minute voicemail. We're not going to be able to play for you. So try to keep the voicemail short. We'd love to play them for you. Um, And we'd love to hear from all you. And so thanks for... uh, for doing that. And if you, uh, if you have an Apple phone or an Apple iPad or anything like that, you can leave us a, a review over on the Apple podcasting app. It helps us to grow the show. Follow us over there. Subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. We appreciate it. And of course, go over to uscfootball.com for all the latest news and notes content about this USC Trojan football team that, like I said, is 2-0 and and want to get uh, Coach Harvey Hyde's thoughts on all of it. Coach, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, buddy. Uh, whenever you win, you feel good. College football, how could it be any better than this weekend? I hope all of you got your fill of it. I enjoyed it. I, I don't. I didn't even leave the house or go outside on Saturday. Not one time. So I just stayed there in front of the TV. It started at 9 a.m. and I just went all day long and it finished up with the UCLA game. And uh, I've been talking about it ever since. Yeah, it's a pretty unique weekend that, you know, NFL hasn't started yet. So you get extra college football. We had Thursday night college football. We had Colorado get a big win at TCU. Uh, but the conference going 12 and 0 is pretty crazy. Uh, the, the best this conference has looked in as long as I can remember. And it's the last year the conference is going to exist. We found out that Cal and Stanford going to the ACC. So all you got is Oregon State and Washington State left. So it's kind of crazy, a little sad, but. The one thing I would say, Coach, coming out of this weekend before we jump into the game, USC's road to win the conference championship is looking harder than we originally thought. I mean, Colorado looks like a legit team. K 
Cal put up 50-something points. Stanford got a big win on the road. Uh, you know, I'm not sure about ASU or Arizona, but, I mean, Utah, big win over uh, Florida without some of their best players in that game, including Cam Rising and Brent Keefe. So USC, if they go out on top and win the Pac-12 in the uh, final year of the Pac-12, it will not be an easy road. It's looking like it's going to be tougher than we thought in the beginning. I agree with you that Pac-12 is 13-0, and and congratulations to them. But again, you've got to look at the opponents that they've played so far. It's not going to be like playing themselves or playing some of the teams in the Big Ten or some of the teams down the road. I tell you, it's a big, high-scoring team. How about Oregon? 81 points, 56, 66, 58. I mean, when you look at the points that are being scored, then you have to look at the opponent. And what you have to look up, you can't play down to your opponent. You've got to try to make your opponent play up to you. So you've got to always keep your intensity and play up to your ability so that when you play these other teams, you're ready to take them on. But, you know, when you look at some of the – I think Washington had a nice win over Boise State, and, and Utah's win over Florida. I, I would say that's a great win. And, hey, congratulations to Colorado and Prime. He got it down there at TCU. Uh, but some of the other teams, you know, Hawaii, not very good. South, Southern Utah, Nevada, North Texas State, Northern Arizona. You know, realistically, those are not going to be the teams that uh, you have to play up to as far as getting into the uh, playoffs or winning the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, well, to get there, you just got to beat the teams that are in front of you. And then Lincoln Riley talked about that after the game. Yes, uh, Nevada's the overmatched opponent. And I feel like just overall, I'm going to get your thoughts, Coach. 66-14, got to see Miller Boss come in in the late third quarter. Defense gave up a touchdown to start the game and then pretty much shut him down after that. Uh, five sacks, 10 tackles for loss. The offense was 12.4 yards per, per play. I mean, it's insane that they were able to do that. Uh, 668 yards, not running very many plays is pretty impressive but just kind of get your overall thoughts of uh how usc did uh in this uh game against nevada well i think offensively they really improved but they got into a rhythm i don't think uh caleb was happy about his uh performance and the play calling and all of the above from the week before and i think that he really liked in fact uh the rhythm was where uh things match what they were trying to do and take advantage of their skilled players over people that really didn't have the ability to cover them. I think they found themselves a running back. I like Lloyd. I think he's the best running back they have. He's a good receiver, too. And, uh, you know, I liked it when you play him a lot, but he gets into the rhythm. I liked it, too, with the offensive line. They didn't rotate people around. They gave him an opportunity to play together, become a unit, have the pride of an offensive line, all five of them that they have to do. And I thought they did a pretty good job. Uh, now, how good is Nevada? You know, I'm not really sure, but as far as them, as far as executing and and not allowing big sacks, now they did have some breakdowns, don't get me wrong, but Caleb takes care of that. He gets some of his biggest plays off of the breakdowns when he runs down and runs all around and the magician throws the ball down. When you think he's throwing it out of bounds, he's throwing a completion. So you can't ever stop covering your guy. Whenever you stop covering your guy, you're in trouble. So I think that's one thing that uh, people have to understand. And uh, also, uh, I think on the defensive side of the football, uh, they were starting to play on the other side of the football. I think they've got some rush guys now when they settle in down to who their two best guys are. I like Muhammad. I really like Muhammad. I like Heat, Height or Heat or whatever you do, number two. I mean, they put pressure. They jump off the 
the uh, edge pretty good. They 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 get to their tackle space uh, really quickly. I like to see them do a little better in containing and use swim and other techniques out there rather than bull rush. And I saw Alexander in the backfield and Barnes was in the backfield make uh, penetration. I thought Sullivan played better than what I thought he could play. Again, I'm looking at the opponent of who they're playing, which is Nevada. But I think they had a combination. Now the linebackers, I think I thought Lee played the best game he's played since he's been at USC. Now he went in, unfortunately, but uh, uh, Curtis got kicked out for targeting. But I'll tell you, he played big. He played hard. He got around the football. I've never seen him run around like that and play that well. So congratulations to him. And I thought Davis played a good game. I thought Davis, for never being on the field or having much of an opportunity to learn the position, I thought he really played well. So he got his opportunity. He answered the bell. So congratulations to him. As far as the secondary, I saw them test their corners. I think people are going to try to see just how fast USC's corners are. They threw a lot of streaks, a lot of fades, a lot of the deep routes to see if they could uh, get a pass interference or get one of those touchdowns. And, and uh, I'll tell you, I think they're going to really attack the secondary a lot, the, the bomb type of action. So uh, I'm not quite sure the speed of the, the uh, corners uh, that uh, USC has, so be ready for that. But uh, I don't think they had too many breakdowns uh, penalty-wise. Uh, I think I can't remember the totals on it, but it was okay. Uh, you can't get penalties. You can't make stupid mistakes. And, of course, they had one injury in the game, and I don't know if they've announced yet how bad it was, but uh, those things will happen. So, generally, you take the W, okay? Did you get better from the first week? I don't know. San Jose State's a better football team than Nevada is. San Jose State would beat Nevada 28-10 or something like that. So, Nevada's struggling. Uh, They've got a lot of portal players, but – uh, they're struggling, and right now uh, USC now has uh, an opponent next week that's a conference game. So you're 3-0 and and 1-0 and in conference in first place, or you're in last place in conference. So now you got to get ready for that. Uh, yeah, USC ended up having eight penalties for 75 yards. So there was a few uh, in there. Nevada had four for for 48. But I agree with you. I think, um, I think you, you saw what you wanted to see from this. You don't really – the takeaway can't be too strong because of the the level of opposition. I thought the um, special teams were good too. They didn't have the explosive plays like you did against San Jose State, but um, I thought they were a little more sound in all, all aspects. I don't, what, did you have any thoughts on special teams? Yeah, I think they started off with a bang when Thompson made that opening tackle, number thirty, on the kickoff. I said, "Now that's the way you start a football game." Immediately, everybody's finding something hurting. They're saying, I don't know who I'm playing this game. I thought that's a great way to start it off. That kid went down there and really knocked him. I think his name is Thompson, number 30, when he made that hit on the kickoff. Yeah. Wow. He, he really knocked that kid out, man. I could hear it. I could hear it everywhere. That's the type of hit you love to see. Clean, good, hard football hit. Yeah, I think that was a good – you get it off, started with a bang. And they just, you know, I thought they were pretty clean uh, – you know, after that, the, uh, I like what I saw on offense, you know, you, the, they did rotate some guys on the offensive line a little bit, and we don't, we still don't know the status of Gino Quinones who, who did go down and got carted off. He did took a pic, he took a picture with the offensive line in the locker room afterwards. Uh, but it was good to see Marshall and Lloyd. Now there wasn't, 
you know, not getting as many plays in this game, I don't think you're going to see the ball distributed around. I mean, they they only ran 54 plays, but 668 yards. So are you going to get like huge number of carries? You know, Lloyd had seven carries and that was the leading leader on the team, but you know, average almost 11 yards a carry 76 yards. Uh, he got his first USC touchdown. Uh, we got to see a little Quentin Joyner, um, you know, so uh, yeah, like we didn't get to see a lot of run game because it just, you know, you didn't run a whole bunch of plays, but Lloyd does look like a guy that um, can be kind of a difference maker. So I, I don't know. Do you, do you feel he's like the number one guy or do you like him with, uh, with Jones in there? Or, you know, what are your thoughts? Well, I like Jones, but I think that they've decided Lloyd's a guy, but he's a dual guy. He's got great hands and he runs hard, spins and so on. I think he's a good back. And I think the way you, you know, when you decide who your number one back is, let him play. I mean, you don't need to rotate him around. He gets a feel on the game on who he's supposed to block and sees the seams and knows where to run to the open areas and do the things that are necessary to be a winner. So I don't know what they're going to do. I know they want to play a lot of players, but they want to keep the morale up, especially when you're ahead as far as you've been ahead in these two games. So obviously you want to get players experience and you want to keep the morale up and and I think that uh, they've been able to do that. But as you get closer now, as you said, towards the conference and some of the teams in front of them, you've got to have a, you've got to condition, you know, you don't condition guys by, by just playing or, or running 40s or doing drills. You, you, you get in shape for a football game. When a, when a drive is, is 60 yards and it takes you 14 plays to do it, you've got to be stronger than the defense on the 14th play. So the only way you can can do that is play a lot and get in condition, but you're not going to have home runs all the time when you have three play drives or five play drives. Well, you're really not getting yourself conditioned because when you play other teams, you're not going to have that experience. You're not going to have uh, 90 yard drives in five plays, uh, which USC is experiencing now because of the great explosion. And really, let's be honest, the Nevada game was a Heisman Trophy game. Uh, for uh, Caleb, because his first game, he wasn't happy. He needed to do it. They spread the field. I think they came out in their first four plays or five plays were all passes. So, yeah. you know, yeah. So, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And, uh, but you got to make sure that you're in condition. You got to make sure that you use all phases of your game. I would love to see on short yard still Caleb come under center and be able to do a quarterback sneak or they get in the wedge where they all do the wedge, uh, for a one inch uh, first down or uh, do some of the things that you need to do when you got to win a championship and you need that two yards or you need that six inches and you got to throw the ball or you're giving the ball to somebody five yards deep and they penetrate. I'd love to see them be able to go ankle to ankle and get in the victory formation and, and get that going to center and everybody knows it's coming, but that's the way it is. We're it's more important to us to get that first down than you to stop us. Yeah. Uh, weird stat too, coach. There were only two of six on third down for USC's offense and they averaged over 10 yards, uh, uh, an attempt for third down conversions, which was kind of interesting that, you know, they just seemed to score quickly, you know, four or five play drives. But when they did get a third down, it was a little, they had a little rough time, but I mean, hard to fault the offense that had, uh, 66 points. It was good to see. Stanley T get that uh that touchdown. Um big man touchdown. Lincoln Riley said afterwards that uh football's more fun when the big men score. So uh that was a good one to see. 
It always is. It's great for morale, and everybody gets happy, and you, you get in the game ball or whatever because it doesn't happen very often, and they work hard. They work on fumble drills. They work on all those type of tip drills. They do that all the time. And the chances of that happening really didn't happen, but it did happen. Congratulations to them. And, uh, you know, to get it done, now you move forward now. Now you got to move forward. And, and again, too, you've got to make sure that uh, uh, you're, you're getting yourself conditioned. You stay focused. Uh, you don't play down. you got to play up. Every week you got to remember we cannot play down to our opponent. We've got to play who we are. We've got to make our opponent try to play up to us. Let's don't encourage our opponent that they think they can play with us. We've got to get to them early, let them know who we are, and then you also intimidate your next opponent because they're watching the films and they say, wow, wow, wow. And all of a sudden, if you're able to do that to them early in the game too, the next game, they think it's going to happen to them. Yeah. The, uh, also on the defensive side of the ball, as a coach, when you have like your you know, a position group kind of devastated, so going into the game, we were not aware that, that Eric Gentry and, uh, and Mason Cobb uh, you know, arguably USC's two best linebackers, inside linebackers weren't going to be able to play. They were not dressed out. And then early in the game, Tackett Curtis gets a little too aggressive, pretty much uh, textbook targeting, knocks the dude's helmet off, and uh, he's get kicked out of the game. So we saw a little Chris Thompson Jr., but it was a lot of uh, Shane Lee, who's a team captain, and then Rajon Davis gets his first career start, and uh, he played the most snaps of anybody on the football team. So it was good. We actually did an interview with him. If you guys want to check it out over at uscfootball.com through house of victory, it was a lot of fun to talk to him for a while. We had about 25 minute conversation with Rajon and uh, his first start and all that. So that was good to see. Um, but you know, that you, you had the guy like Shane Lee, you know, didn't play linebacker last week and now he's played a big role. And I thought they stepped up and played really well for a team captain you know, maybe people thought he was limited, but he was running to the sidelines. He was getting all over the place. So I, I think it's encouraging just showing the kind of depth when you get, you know, probably your top three linebackers all out. You still have guys that can come in there and perform well. Well, you know, to me, I can see when the defense is struggling and the defense was not struggling. The defense was having fun. They were having fun getting to the football. They were getting excited beating somebody. You know, they've been a lot, they've had a lot of pressure on them. And when you have success, you get excited. And to me, I was, I was looking at them. They were having fun playing defense. And that would, that's what defense is all about. Fly around and hit somebody. Now, as far as Curtis getting that target, uh, I, I want to say that was a necessary. He's going to learn. He's a freshman. He wanted to put a hit on that guy, but it was a definite targeting. He'll not do that again because he will not want to sit out again. But you've got to be smart, and he had to learn the hard way. So those t- sometimes you learn the hard way. Now he couldn't play, and he loves to play the game of football. But I'll tell you, I thought they had fun playing defense for the first time I've seen him play it for a long time. Yeah, no, I agree with you. They were having a good time, and uh, they got stops. You know, you had uh, five three and outs. You want to get stops. Yes, the Wolfpack, not a very good team, but I think you need to get some stops and they show that they were able to do that, which is a positive sign. All right. Well, why don't we take a quick break? We got some questions, so we'll get some more your thoughts on the game after the break. Back in a minute.
eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle podcast. Uh, we got, let's see, why don't we do this? We got a voicemail I'll play for you and get your thoughts, Coach. Fight on UFC class of 2015 and return for my master's. My question applies to not only the greatest football program, UFC, but all programs. So what are your thoughts about not only playing to win as a team, but also run up the score to build player stats, including the Heisman? Caleb could easily have eight touchdowns in each of these early Cupcake games, which would all but guarantee him another Heisman. I'm talking keep the game plan and starters in all game regardless of score. The benefits include huge hype and energy around the program when putting up 100 points, building cohesiveness with the starters, which is huge with the transfer portal. Pad stats leading to individual awards, which matters. Haters obviously haven't been to Heritage Hall. Great for recruiting, being the swaggiest program, and momentum going into non-cupcake games. The negatives include slight increased chance of injury, but that's minimal when you can tell Caleb just not to take a sack, plus all these starters going to the NFL next year, so you might as well use them and that backups don't get playing time, and maybe you have some haters crying about stat padding. So, what are your thoughts about not only playing to win as a team, but also to run up the score to build player stats and load up on those Heisman? Shout out to Frank the Tank, Steven, Ron, and Kyle as the world's biggest USC fan. Fight on. Thanks for the voicemail there. Yeah, I think the big one for me, Coach, is just it was great to see Miller Moss throw like 10 passes. Like you get your backups significant reps, and they, they'll feel comfortable if they have to go in. That, that would be the biggest negative for me. But any thoughts on uh, on that playing the starters all the way and trying to run up the score? Well, you know, you know, I never took my starters out till I knew the game was won. And, I, you know, I've lost games before when it, we thought it was a, it's a win, and all of a sudden, uh, what happened? So I, I never uh, allowed substitution until I gave the okay to my position coaches that, okay, gradually let's try to, to, you know, get some other kids in the game and so on and build confidence and experience playing. I thought it was great that Miller Moss got in. The game was over. 
Nevada wasn't going to beat you. And you had to get some experience for your backup players and morale and everything else along the way. I think stats are important, but the most important stat that there is is the left-hand column if you get the W and the pride of the W. You can get all the stats in the world, and they don't mean anything. I've, I've outstatted teams and lost football games. So you've got to be able to win. You've got to be able to find a win and uh, a way to win. And I think that's the number one thing. Teams find a way to win. Uh, you saw that happen with Florida State. You saw that happen with Colorado. I mean, they found a way to win. They didn't stop. They found a way to win. They played hard, and they let it happen. It came to them. And uh, I think that's what you have to do. And uh, you've got to be able to play players, but not at the expense of losing a football game. And uh, I'm not big on pouring on pouring just beat people up. I'm not for that. I'm not for going for two points when you don't need it. I'm not for, you know, uh, I'm for kneeling down when your game is won, not trying to score points and move the football and and then beat somebody really badly. Because remember that those kids have worked hard for the, the other team. And it might be your son on the other side. Think what the feeling is there or the coach you're looking at across the field. You know, he's going to come across and you're going to have to talk to him after the game. And is he going to shake your hand? And is he going to say, great game, coach, you really have a great team? Or is he going to come across and say, USOB? I mean, really. And other coaches, you know, they, they look at all that. And they, and they see what type of character you are, and who you are, and what you stand for. And are you teaching the right things as far as in the game of football? And, you know, that's why I'm never for body bag games. That means you go somewhere to play for a check. I'm not for that unless the college president's kid is the, is the quarterback. And they will understand what it is when he watches his kid stand back there and get sacked and knocked out. So I'm for equal competition, and I'm for being fair, yet I'm for winning. And I think winning is what it's all about. Yeah. Uh, well said, Coach. I love it. Um, we have an email from our buddy Dan, class of 1962. It says, hey, Coach Hyde and Ryan, there was a marked improvement in the Trojan defense against Nevada. However, could that be attributed to the quality of the competition versus San Jose State or the personnel on the field and the scheme? This was my first Trojan game in a long time where the linebackers, Lee and Davis, were highly effective, especially Lee. My other concern is that Caleb Williams won't win a second Heisman, mainly because most of the nation hasn't seen him play because of the inept Larry Scott Pac-12 network. Uh, I don't think you have to worry about that, Dan. Like, uh, People know Caleb's good. They're going to see a lot of his highlights and stuff. But anyway, he says, in Idaho, I have to watch uh, Trojan games on Sling, which costs $55 a month. Not many non-Trojan fans are going to stay up late on the East Coast to pay that. I always appreciate your comments. Fight on and keep winning. Dan, class of 62. And real quick, this is the last game that USC will probably ever be on on the Pac-12 network. So I don't think you have to worry about it anymore. You don't have to be on twice because they have two home out-of-conference games. They've been on it twice for San Jose State and Nevada, so you shouldn't be on Pac-12 Network uh, ever again, to ever. <laughs> so uh, I don't think you have to worry about that anymore. But any any thoughts on uh, playing up or down in the competition, Coach, like Dan was talking about? Well, you got to play up to your competition, and I agree with the Pac-12 Network. You really don't get your players the publicity and the promotion in the area of broadcasting, and I thought about that a lot. And you know, they try to do a good job, but it's just not the same production that it is for the national affiliate games. And we all know that. Uh, but uh, that's the way it is. And I guess they have some conference uh, set up where you have to play on it or whatever. 
and I guess that's what they do. But uh, I don't think they'll be playing anymore on a Pac-12 network because you're going to have some great matchups. Just think of what they go when uh, Caleb plays against Bo Nix and when he plays against Pettix at Washington, when he plays against uh, uh, Sanders at uh, Colorado, when he plays against Dante Moore at UCLA. I mean, these are great matchups. These are guys that are yeah. in the running for the Heisman Trophy too, man. I'll tell you, these – the, the nation wants to see this. Yeah, they will not be on the Pac-12 you, network again, Coach. That's that guaranteed. No more. <laughs> no more. And I'll tell you, you wait. When Colorado comes to the Coliseum to be sold out. It's actually when, in uh, Boulder Colorado, this year. It's Boulder. Huh? Oh, so, it's in Boulder? Yeah, USC plays at Boulder, and that game is sold out from what I'm told. Sure, it's sold out. And when they come to the Rose Bowl to play UCLA, it'll be sold out. Because that's what Dion has done as far as in his program. I think it's great for... For the Pac-12 this year, I think it's great for football. I think, and I want to congratulate them on the great job they did. That team played disciplined. That team was dressed perfectly in uniform. The sideline was disciplined. Every coach had the same type of outfit on. Every kid had the same type of player on. There was no hurrahing, hurrahing, or or doing any type of showboating. He was in control of the game, and they did one hell of a job to a team that last year was in the national championship game. So congratulations to him. He's done a great job of coaching up there. Oh, yeah. They look like a really well-coached team. So uh, very impressive. All right. Uh, we got a voice, another voicemail for you. Let me play it. Yeah, sure. Hey, Ryan, this is for you and the coach. Ryan said that it makes sense for Ray Lee Brown to play running back because they would use him the same way they did last year. But the move to receiver has just put him behind a lot of people. If he was at running back right now with all the backs we have, you know that Lincoln Riley would be doing running back things with him, like running the ball. He was a breakaway threat and catching it out of the backfield. All the plays they ran last year, just tell him to please come back. We'll let you be a running back. You'll do all the stuff you did last year. What do you think about that, Ryan and the coach? Curtis from Moreno Valley. Uh, thanks, Curtis. And just to let people know, um, we, you know, he was working with the scout team and uh, was left off the depth chart completely. And uh, the, I believe it was the Orange, Orange County Register did a report that they they talked to the family, and it looks like the plan is to for him to redshirt. Now we saw that happen, like with Gary Bryant last year. He redshirted and then transferred to Oregon. Not saying that's going to happen with uh, Raleigh Brown, but. Uh, there's, I guess, the potential there. But any kind of thoughts on the whole uh, Raleigh Brown situation, Coach? Yeah, it's a difficult situation. It really is. Here you are, a five-star player. You're going to USC, and you're expecting to play and and play a lot. And you you played all your life. You've been a a star and so on. And all of a sudden, you're not playing, and you move to receiver. And probably you move to receiver not because you can't be a great running back, but you're not as physical as the other backs as far as pass blocking and so on, but you could do certain things uh, better than some of the others. But I think that when you have an offense, you've got to have backs to do it all. I mean, they block, they run, they catch, they do it all. And he's just a smaller type of kid. And I, I think he, he's got great potential, but he's got to be in a different type of offense and, and where he can be really utilized, as you said. Uh, and, and, uh, uh, you know, when I when I didn't see him dressed, I thought something was wrong. And uh, I was going to ask you, Ryan, what what you knew about that. 
because I'm sure that it's, he's not very happy. Okay, he's not very happy. He's probably uh, disappointed. Why wouldn't he be disappointed? Uh, if he wasn't playing, I, I would feel bad if he wasn't disappointed. I'd be mad if I was a coach of a great player and mad if he's not playing. But I would say he's turned into a loser. So he's got to be mad that he's not playing and he's missing those reps and who he is and who he's been. So there's got a lot to be, be a lot of decisions in his life on what he's going to do, where he's going to go, if he's going to stay, is he going to be a slot player? What, what's his future going to be? So I, I want to wish the kid the best of luck. I don't know the kid, but I assume he's a great kid from a great family and he's worked his butt off and I want to wish him the best no matter what happens. Yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll kind of keep you up to speed on whatever we can learn about the situation. But right now it, it looks like he's going to redshirt. So we'll see what happens there. A couple more for you. I'll let you go, coach. Marcel from the Inland Empire. Uh, he says, good morning. After seeing what we saw yesterday uh, from teams in the Pac-12, it just breaks my heart to know that Larry Scott effed this up to the 19th because he wanted parity. The teams are on the Pac-12 network. And the rest of the nation didn't get to see it now that the Pac-12 is gone and was absorbed into other leagues. What a huge, huge embarrassment. Can you guys line up an interview with Larry Scott to find out his mindset? Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, Marcel. Uh, how do we hire someone from women's tennis to run the Pac-12? In my opinion, Washington looked dominant. Oregon looked dominant. USC looked dominant. Colorado did what they were supposed to do. As of yesterday, we look like the best conference in college football. Uh, Marcel in the Inland Empire. Ryan, let me ask you something. And yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you. when did you when did you discover that he wasn't a guy? Larry Scott. Um you know, it was probably the beginning when they did the long TV contract, I was a little wary of that, but the when they tried to go to sixteen and then weren't able to finish it with Texas and Oklahoma and it became, you know, the Utah and Colorado show, that was sort of like the first that was the big screw up. And then it just kind of went downhill from there. But really when he talked about parody over when it became clear that parody was more important than championships, um, you knew this wasn't the right guy, but I don't know. What about you? What did you think? The first time I met him <laughs> and that was it. And media day when we, when we were moving around Hollywood, I mean, we were going to be at every Hollywood studio for all our press conferences and so on. When he went up there, he, he spoke, he made himself really, uh, really a short speech, didn't know really much what about a, a press conference was, a media day was. Uh, he, he just, you know, he was a tennis guy and nothing against tennis players. I mean, he just wasn't a guy. How they uh, hired him to uh, be the commissioner of the the Pac-12 was amazing. It was the first time. It was the first day I met him. First time I heard him speak. I said, who's this guy? Where did he come from? First of all, you hire somebody you never heard of before in the football world. Or, well, I mean, did you know who he was? You had to look up and find out who he was. To come in as a commissioner and pay $5 million a year? You ought to know how to spell his name or know what he looks like. And... uh and then we, you remember, we moved every summer to a different studio. Yeah. And I, I have no idea what that was all about. No parking, no nothing, the food all in the sun. I wouldn't even eat the potato salad and all that stuff because we couldn't even get in. The rooms were so small. He didn't even know how many people came to a press conference or media day. 
there'd be enough seats for 50 people and there's 200 people there. I mean, that's when I knew, uh uh-oh, uh-oh, we got a problem. And I said that the very first time I met him. Yeah, it's funny. The one, the really, there's so many bad mistakes, but the one when the Pac-12 won its 500th championship and it was Washington's women's rowing team. And he started Pac-12 Football Media Day bringing up the women's rowing coach from Washington and didn't say the word football for like the first five minutes. Like he was so focused on women's rowing on football media day, stuff like that would not happen in the sec or the big 10 or anywhere else. Mountain West. You're not going to do that. That's sort of what his mindset was. And you knew you're like, no way, man, this is not going to work. Well, you know, I think it's important for all of those, the championships, I think they're important, but, you know, you've got to be able what's going on and where you are and what pays the bills and and also the what the media day is all about, as you just mentioned. And you've got to be able to talk. You know, sometimes they think that they're talking to fools. I mean, that they think that we're fools, that some of us, you know, I never ask him questions or anything because he wouldn't be able to answer my questions, okay? And uh, he would probably take my media pass because he wouldn't let me back anymore. Uh, and, and that's why I don't go or ask those type of questions. I went so on and, and it, it's just embarrassing of the way that your leader is exposed. The guy that's supposed to be running your conference. But what's even more embarrassing is when you get rehired and you get an extension. That's when I said the ship is going down and you can't pump enough water out of it. Yep. That was what happened. All right, we got a couple more. Well, one last topic. Um, both Sir Eric of Troy and Stephen Poway were writing about mouthpieces. Um, Sir Eric of Troy said, has mouthpieces become optional? I asked because I see players in various positions running around the field with their mouthpieces dangling from their face mask. During Branch's 96-yard tick- kickoff return, his mouthpiece was just flopping back and forth all over the place. He was wondering what's up with that. And... uh uh, you know, uh, Stephen Poway, kind of the same thing. So any thoughts on mouthpieces and stuff, coach? Yeah, I think the re- the officials have a responsibility of enforcing whatever the rules are. Most of them are all for safety, okay? Now, when you're running, your mouthpiece could come out. I, I can see that. I mean, that, that could happen easily, okay, or knocked out. But if it's not in your mouth when you start to play, I, I think that's something that should be stopped and enforced. And the things that are not enforced the most that I see, and I think it's absolutely ridiculous, they sit there and think we're idiots, is these pants that these kids are wearing, they're getting shorter and shorter. They're up way above the knee now, almost up to the thigh. They have no protection at all on their knees whatsoever, and nobody says anything. I mean, what does the rule say? You have to wear some type of knee pads. The pants are supposed to be at a certain height. Hey, you go to the games. All of you out there go to the games. What are they doing? I mean, there's no protection at all with some of these kids on their legs. Now, are they going to enforce the rule? Not enforce the rule. Tell us what you're going to do so that, you know, maybe they don't want to wear. Maybe they go out in shorts. I'm not sure. But right now, it's getting close to that. Yeah. All right. Well, Coach, good stuff. Uh, You know, easy win for USC. Starting conference play next week. So we'll be uh, back around talking about USC and Stanford. Saturday night in the Coliseum, a late one. Uh, I kind of like the 3.30 game this last week. 7.30 is going to be a little tougher, but I'm looking forward to that. But always looking forward to talking to you. Thank you for uh, coming on everything, and we'll uh, talk to you again next week. 
Hey, Brian, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity of doing this podcast with you. And again, I want to do a little cross-promoting. And I'm going to have you on this show here where I can ask you questions in the very near future. But on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., uh, I'm on uh, AM 830 with Chuck Hayes, and we do our college football review and preview show when we go over the games and we talk about all the other games in college football and all of the above, and we have special guests. So, again, Ryan, uh, great win for uh, whenever you get a W, you take it, okay, no matter what. And then you get ready to look at the next one. All right. Well, that's the coach, Harry Hyde. Uh, this, I'm Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys all enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.